Welcome to All Hands, a podcast brought to you by Lattice, where people's success is business success. I'm your host, Caitlin Holloway. Today, we're talking about perhaps the biggest trend in HR policy this year, pay transparency. As of now, seven states require employers to share salary ranges with current or potential employees. This isn't just at the state level, though, either. Cities and even companies, including Microsoft, also have new salary transparency policies on the books. When I was VP of People and Culture at Reddit, my team and I actually rolled out a transparent pay structure. I got to see firsthand how these policies actually close gender and racial wage gaps. In fact, this is exactly the reason why I moved over to the investor side of the business. I knew I wanted to bring pay transparency to more companies. The impact this initiative can have on the wealth gap is powerful. But let's be honest, people leaders still have questions about how to communicate and more importantly, how to actually implement an open compensation model. It can seem daunting. It is a massive, massive undertaking. But if you have the right guide, I promise you any company at any size or stage of development can make it so. Which is why I am excited to crack open this playbook with Gemma Bolton. As Chief People Officer at the car insurance app Cava, she has successfully rolled out an open salary model. It's a game changer. It, everybody has clarity. It helps people drive their own development. And if they're driving their development, they're driving their performance. If they're driving their performance and productivity, they're driving your business and everybody succeeds. I ask how she rolled this out, what she would have done differently, and how 98% of her company is incredibly happy with this model. Gemma, welcome to All Hands. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. We are so thrilled to have you on the show today. I'm really excited to talk about this particular topic of transparency and how transparency plays with the world of compensation. And so today we're going to be diving very, very deeply into the topic of Kuva's open salary model that you designed. But first, I'd like to talk a little bit more broadly about the value of transparency in general. Transparency is something that, that many companies struggle with. And so what does transparency mean at Kuva and, and why is this so important to employees? Yes, I think it's better described at Kuva as, as openness. And we, we say transparency, but I, uh, but I think there's so many different interpretations of, of transparency, whether that's radical transparency and you're sharing everything. And that's definitely something that, that came into fire as we, we kept talking about transparency. People expected to be told everything in a certain person's name and what their salary was. But we think of it more in terms of like openness and that you have all of the information that you need. We're going to share everything with you. And some of that does mean you, you're going to hear things that... that might scare you, that you might not want to listen to, or that you might not agree with, or you're going to see information that might panic you. But for us, it, it really is about giving everybody the information which they need to make informed decisions. And if you're open and, and transparent, then the fairness aspect follows quite easily. And nobody's going to question it. It, it kind of breeds trust because you're, you're, you're following your interpretation. Right. I love that distinction. People tend to view transparency as a light switch. It's either on or off, uh, either full opacity or or fully radically transparent. Neither one of those options is effective. And the, the true answer lies somewhere in between, and it's a sliding scale that ought to be determined by and mutually agreed upon 
by the organization, right? By the culture itself. Yeah. Let's stick on the topic of general openness or general transparency. Are there any other examples of openness that is used at at Kava that you would like to highlight? Yeah, we have like open praise. And this is where we we pivoted from like that radical transparency to openness when it came, especially when it came to feedback. Right. And people giving and receiving that feedback and being or, or having the ability to do so. We also share our, our forecast, which not all companies do. So our financials and stuff with the company, we share yeah. our ball packs and basically try to give everybody as much information as we possibly can without going into a breach of any sort of data protection. So we're, we're extremely open with every aspect of the business goals, tracking everything. That's amazing. As a leadership team, how do you decide when it's time to reevaluate your openness? I think it's very fluid. Yeah. We, it's something that we constantly talk about. It really depends on, on where we are as a business. If I think about the trajectory over the last few years, there's been so many conversations where we started with open door leadership meetings where the door was open and people could sit outside and listen and then it becomes well actually then you might be discussing a certain department or a certain individual might come up as you're 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 discussing things and then that you're like okay yeah this is probably a bit too much so it's just when any risk is involved we really do think about it but as a as a collective when we're discussing anything that's that's related to the business whether that be the company roadmap or funding or what's going on we we have a weekly leadership briefing and we'll make sure that we present anything and, and everything that's needed to the business during that and then through through lattice actually through gathering feedback and all of our uh, engagement surveys we get a really good hold on is everybody got a really good understanding of what's happening in cover? Do we need to be more open? Do we need to drive more comms? Do we need to focus on a different area? Do, you know, is everybody really on board with what's happening? And, and that's a really good indicator for us. So if we need to, to ramp things up a little bit in terms of our, our openness. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So would love to now get into the open salary model. And so level set with us a bit first. How large is your organization? How many full-time employees do you have? So we are about 120 now. And when did you start implementing an open salary model about from in terms of headcount? So it was probably about when we were about half this size, I think about 60, 70 people. It was at that stage where you're getting more people who are in defined roles as opposed to in startups at that sense where people are juggling a few different roles and they're kind of working across different areas or, or, or filling the gaps. Once we started to get things established, it was just that natural next step of we should start looking at a salary model and what does that mean for us and what is our approach to compensation and, and how do we drive that? So take us back to the beginning. What motivated or what prompted you all to, to say now is the time? When I first joined Cover, it was always something that was on my mind to do here because they were so dedicated to transparency, because they were so open. I'd say back then there was open door leadership meetings and people were always asking about pay and how their compensation is made up and how they can get a salary increase. And what I, I definitely felt is it was the people who spoke up more. It was the people who shouted the loudest. It seemed to have that, that focus because they were drawing that attention there. And that really didn't fall in line with our fairness values. And then um, if I think back to, to the beginning of, of last year, it was, it was on our roadmap and it was on our roadmap for like Q3. And um, 
we were getting more and more pressure from the company. To be honest, it was people who were saying, I want to know how compensation is made up. I want to know what that next level is for me. I want to know what that next step is, even in my own role. Like, how do I get a salary increase and what will that be and how will that look like so I can drive my own my own development? We've always been big on giving people the tools to drive their own development and to go out and, and, and get the exposure. And we do lots of work around giving people role enhancements and exposure and projects in different areas so that we can progress and people can move into to other roles in, in a different career path within the same company. But in order to do that correctly, we, it really needed to all come back to this. So we're getting a lot more pressure. So we actually pulled it forward. Um, and then myself and, and my current head of people and culture, we sat down and was like, right, okay, Let's think about how how we do this. What does the process look like? What's most important for for cover? And, and I'd already started like a bit of a strategy on it the year before when when doing that alignment piece. Right. And needed to think kind of like six, 12, 18 months ahead of like what roles are going to be in the business. Like how big are we going to be? How sustainable is this? So you know, what is our what's our runway? What's our funding like? Like how much can we afford to pay? And yeah. where does that come in? Like what kind of talent are we trying to atter- attract? But then also being really, really clear with the rest of the leadership team and, and hiring managers that in order to do this properly, you can't deviate from it. You can't be offering salaries that are off the salary model. You can't be negotiating. And you have to have standards for what does experience mean? What does mastering a skill mean? So you had to kind of like, I had to think about what that end goal is and then pull it all back in. And it really started with getting benchmarking, getting really good um benchmarking so that we could see what salaries would be competitive what we should be paying I did a a bunch of research on on what tools to use because there's so many out there right <laughs> there is there is a, a lot of choice but but needing to look for a benchmarking service that does provide that kind of data as well so it provides it from companies that we would act- actively poach staff from that we would headhunt right. into so managed to find that one of the first steps was then getting everything on paper so all of your job evaluations which is such an in-depth process and 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 making sure that we had not just the technical skill for each role but what are our behavioral standards as well you know what are our Mm -hmm. ways of working and making sure all of that's on paper and presenting that to the whole business I presented that this is this is what our approach is going to be this is the project timelines this is what I'm going to need from you and this is what we'll give in in return and and this is the timelines in which you'll know what the salary is that we can pay out. And this is a process that we'll take to it. So one one leadership briefing, I just ran through that with the whole company and had a bunch of questions, lots and lots of feedback from, from everybody. I, I can cover. imagine. Very, very opinionated, <laughs> but it's pay. It's so close to you, to, to home. That's why we come to work, really, if you're honestly truthful right. about it. Like that is such a huge factor in, in where you're going to work and, you know, and, and what your longevity at a company is, especially a, a startup business. If you can't scale your compensation in, in, in line with the market, you're, you're not going to retain the best talent. I put some of the onus back on individuals and got like a bit of a project group together for people to help with the job evaluations, particularly around the technical skills, because at the end of the day, who's better to know what the technical skill is for a job than the people that are doing it? Then had managers and and uh, other people cross-check that. and We submitted it all to get all the benchmarking data. Very, very lengthy process. Took a good couple of months just to do that. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so like, I know, I'm not joking. I was so sick of writing competency at the end of it. I feel that. <laughs> you know, we, we got all of the information back, which it gives back. Okay, a, a, a bracket of what people are paying that, and it comes back in percentiles. So you go from like the tenth to the hundredth percentile of like, and 
the companies, there are a certain proportion of companies paying at the lower percentile and a proportion of companies paying at the higher percentile. What we needed to then do is forecast out where we could pay at. So assuming everybody's at the top, which nobody ever really is, you know, that's never going to happen. You're not going to have everybody performing at the top, making sure that if that were the case, that we could afford that and that's mapped out, not just for the staff that you've got right now, but also for your hiring plan, taking that into consideration as well and the roles that you don't yet know about and the roles that you you may have scoped out, but you know is going to need some iteration when you get a subject matter expert coming in. They really make it their own. Then it got signed off by our CEO and sat down with him. Jared, whilst that was happening, was able to get everybody's skills benchmarked. Mm-hmm. We call it skills benchmark because we're just benchmarking your skills against your job evaluation. So there was a lot of training that we put in place for this is what it means to master a skill. And on that first iteration, it was literally, if you can showcase that you've done something a few times like then you're like three times at least then you're mastering that skill and then the the terminology which we used around other aspects were like something that you might need more support on so if you need a line manager or a peer to support you on a specific task maybe you're not mastering that and if you haven't had exposure to a specific task or it's something that you only are able to observe somebody doing then you're not not mastering that obviously at all the process we took was for individuals to rate themselves and for the managers to also rate them. We do this in conjunction with 360 feedback and our, our review cycle. So we, we were constantly getting feedback on people's performance. But the idea is, is managers should not see the individuals and how they've scored themselves. And the individual should not see what the manager's done until they meet and do an alignment meeting. Yeah. And during that meeting, if if then if they're not aligned on, on a certain skill, it's up to the other to to explain you know if if an individual has said they're mastering something and, and their line manager has said you're not quite mastering it then they would have to say well no the here is where I can showcase that I am actually mastering that skill or this is uh, several examples of that behavior to show that I, I am mastering that behavior it's something that I live day in day out and the same the other way around is is obviously if 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 the manager is like determined and then like, well here's some examples of of why you are doing this or why you're not and then they um, come to an agreement and then we go away and, and, and we we basically percentage it and, and put, place people on, on the salary model. So all of the work was trying to get that all done in conjunction. So we're not, we're not having people have to wait until we've really, really mapped out what those steps on the salary model are going to be. So what bracket we're going to be paying at. And we had to do that so, so that you know, people aren't trying to to map themselves against a certain salary if they know what the top salary is going to be and that they, they, they've got that in their mind it becomes a much more subjective right because you you're looking at oh okay i want to be mastering however much percentage of my job because i really want to earn that salary mm-hmm. it was a super simple process there were just a lot of steps to it and a lot of um back and forth and if you're having really meaningful one-to-ones and you've got a really um, meaningful review process and, and people people should understand where they're performing anyway there shouldn't be any huge surprises right and then in terms of like how how then that 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 worked is obviously we then placed everybody with on the on the salary model we'd we decided the bracket in which we could um, pay people on and we we made seven steps um so you as you're progressing through your job you're progressing through the salary model 
so one, I want to thank you for outlining the process so articulately, uh, getting in there, giving us kind of the good, the bad, the ugly. What I want to do quickly is kind of just clarify that process for our listeners in, into to the bigger buckets. And then two, really talk a little bit more about how any company can implement this. So the great news here for, for the two of us I did exactly the same thing. And I followed almost exactly the same process <laughs> when I was working at Reddit. And so the, for, for what I just want to say, like operator to operator, like bravo, Thank you. well done. <laughs> <laughs> this is no easy feat. But I think, and and I hope that we agree here, but once once you actually do this, once you go through and do that kind of heavy lifting up front, or or as I articulated to my executive team, like we're going to pay our tax up front on this. We're going to just spend the time, spend the energy, spend the resources. But I promise you, and I held my breath and crossed my fingers, <laughs> I promise you that on the back end of this, it actually makes our lives a whole lot easier. Mm. So one, you know, you're going to be living your values. You're going to be walking the walk uh, for, for what you say. And if you say that you value transparency or you value diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, emphasis on equity, um, and then how the that, that equitability in your process actually impacts, as you mentioned, your diversity, that deep feeling of belongingness, the inclusion that comes with it. So th- there are impacts that putting a process like this in place um, can have and will have. And that ripple effect actually helps you not only increase all of the things that you say that you want to increase, but it also increases productivity and output because your team is spending so much less time worried about their salary, talking, you know, at the water cooler or in the virtual water cooler in Slack around, you know, I don't know about this, or that person has that, or, you know, you reduce all of that noise yeah. and that chatter in the back channel and people get to do what they were hired to do, which is focus on outcomes. And so let's take it back to the top really quickly and kind of break it down into these bite-sized pieces. Because what I heard you say is, is there very loosely and largely, uh, you've got two buckets and several uh, pieces of collateral, right? So several um, tools that, that you built in order to set your team up for success for implementation. So you've got the two two major um, cohorts of talent that you're you're um, satisfying. You have your existing team. So the the things that exist for that team are very largely around performance management uh, levels, skill sets, building the tools that that help your existing team be appropriately slotted in to the systems and tools that you're building. And then you have the the cohort of talent that you have yet to hire. Yeah. So this is around recruiting and and future casting uh, your org and and org design. So first things first, we've got, um, first you have to do your your strategy and philosophy to say, hey, let's align the leadership team around transparent pay. Now on that sliding scale of, of transparency, where do we want to go? So once you theoretically build out the, Hey, this is what we're aiming for here. Then you have to get into the benchmarking. So that deep understanding of market. And then also, uh, before you, you do that or concurrently, you have to understand your existing levels, Mm. right? So every function, every role, every job, and then the different levels that you have within that function. So 
taking people and culture, for example, uh, you can't just say, great, what is a people and culture person making in this market? No. Well, you've got recruiters, you have talent development folks, you've got diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging specialists. So understanding, you know, again, generically based on your size of company, um, what those, those different roles are within one particular function, and then the appropriate number of levels where you can progress from very, very green to, to, um, an expert, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. Pay is such a taboo subject. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, you know, in a lot of companies, it's not spoken about. A lot of people don't really like talking about it. And whilst we should encourage people to talk about pay, it, it only works if they feel comfortable doing so. And it only works if they feel that it is a fair process. We, we did toy with the idea of, should I put Gemma and then my salary? But again, that just, that doesn't really give you any development aspect that doesn't show that doesn't show me what the next step of my role is going to be and not everybody would want that so ours it it says chief people officer and then there's my salary range obviously you know that I'm being paid within there I am the only chief people officer at cover right but (laughs) but you don't you don't know exactly where and that's unless I choose to share that with whoever and that really kind of gives people the the safety and then the comfortableness of like this is open but it's not radically transparent it's fair because you've all got the same expectations of of what it means to master a skill that all of the job evaluations have the same criteria within them we've been back and forth on them so much everybody's also had access to them so everybody's been able to give their feedback it's been the individuals in the roles Mm -hmm. that created those first drafts of the job evaluations then when we're going into hiring it helps again because you're not you're not allowing anybody to negotiate through the hiring process what you're doing is saying that we have a salary model there are seven different steps for this particular role so it ranges from a to b and then as you're being interviewed and you're going through your different interview stages you're being skills benchmarked against that same job evaluation and at the end of the hiring process when we were about to make an offer the hiring manager and somebody from the people team will go back through all of the feedback and all of the information and they will go through that skills benchmarking on the job evaluation for the individual and we decide then on what that that salary is based on you know, the percentages of the same way as what it's made up for for anybody that might be 10k more than what you're on right now it might be 5k less but you need to be comfortable with what that salary range is when you're applying and and we make sure that we have those conversations the entirety through the the hiring process so people aren't surprised and then um we're very very clear again in our offer emails that we don't negotiate on pay but what we would like to do is have a post offer call and we have that call where we do explain it. I think it's helped a lot of our diversity, to, to be honest, a lot of our diversity metrics. And we definitely have a lot more women in the company than what we did have, especially in engineering. And I mm-hmm. think some of that comes from the fact that, you know, we, we do say we don't negotiate on pay. We do say we're paying fair and we're, ba- we're basing this on the skills that you have. It means that we can have a really great continuous approach to pay um, and makes it, like I say, it makes it extremely fair and taking the negotiation out of it. Yes, does mean we lose some people. It's, it's, and it's awful when you're, you're, you know, people who are so bought into your culture and who you think are super engaged. And then especially this year where we've all been blindsided with, with the, the market being extremely hot and, and somebody might come in and be like, I've been offered 10, 15K higher to work here. And we're like, well, 
we can't we, we don't do that we don't match that so we have to wish you well we have to like really stay to our, our values we've yeah. got to really stay true to it because otherwise what's the point exactly and that's where culture drift starts as well like you've, you've got to be extremely thorough but because we have this continuous approach because it's not you wait six months or 12 months and then you have a salary re- review it's a continuous conversation you're having it throughout your one-to-ones you should be skills benchmarked at least once a quarter it, it does mean people do get frequent increases. We've really kept iterating on the process, though, and, and really trying to take on board the feedback and listening to what's gone well in the alignment meetings, going in and going, OK, no, this this role now has line management responsibility. So we need to go back and re-benchmark that role. Mm-hmm. And we need to do that now, not not further down the line when we re-benchmark everything. And then this March, as it was the, the one year anniversary we did go in and we re rebenchmark every single role again. We were able to forecast for it, knowing roughly what the market looks like. We were able to just increase salaries at the same time. You want to offer the best. You want to create a great place to work. You want people to be able to drive their own development and have very clear expectations around you know, skills, responsibilities, behaviours. But if you... If you're overpaying for what you can afford for that amount of, of individuals, A, you're not going to be able to then hire and you're going to burn everybody out because you're going to have spent all your budget on, on right. internally. But also like you're going to quickly overload on your people costs. So you have to monitor that very, very carefully on what does that look like now and what, what's that going to be in 6, 12, 18, 24 months time and factor in not just new joiners, but incremental salary increases. Like you say, it's a lot of time, a lot of effort, but it does make your life easy. You made a really great point there. Like even from a hiring perspective, it makes our lives so much easier because we're just like, how much time in the past have people spent negotiating on pay or wondering what they should pay for a role and Googling what what another company is doing and it takes all of the headache away. Hiring managers and the the exec team loved that, to be honest. Instantly as well, like the whole process instantly gives you a skill gap analysis of your entire company exactly you're already like ahead on your lnd goals before you've even got an lnd team precisely so all of the work is really worthwhile once you've got all of that those job evaluations done once you've got your your salaries built out then deciding and where you can pay on the salary model and get into grips of where people are placed everything else becomes so much easier the process between last march and now it's like Everyone does it on a day-to-day. Right? It's so easy. I, th- this so is the easy. part that I, I cannot emphasize enough for our listeners, where it seems so daunting, so incredibly daunting yeah. to say, I'm going to take on this big initiative. But I promise you, and I'm so glad to hear you back me up on this one, I promise you, <laughs> and I work with so many young companies in my line of work now, whether you're implementing this on, on day one like, you know, day zero, you've gotten that first pre-seed round to, you know, hey, we're we're already at series C or series D. I don't know if I can do this. The answer is yes. The answer is absolutely yes. Please do this. And your future self will thank you. Because once you have all of those tools in place and you reevaluate them on a, on a regular cadence, and in my case, I was doing them annually with kind of a mid-year check-in, just to be like, hey, has the market done anything weird or wild? Just in case. Yeah, I promise you, it will save you time, money, and and so much heartache on the back end that it, it and it can grow and scale with you through exit. I, I have seen it. I have witnessed it with my own two eyes. <laughs> and my favorite part of all of it, and it's something that you, that you said that I want to highlight quickly, is this is the best application of your values. 
yes, you are going to lose people in this process. People on your team, you might fiercely disagree with somebody in a, in a leadership position around this because they, they want those extra levers that they can twist and play with to get the people that they really, really think and feel that they need. But guess what? You are living your values in the most important area of your business from the employee perspective. Mm -hmm. I want to feel rewarded. I want to feel recognized. And I need to understand what I need to get from here to where I want to be. And so when you can satisfy those things for your team, your values and your culture just is brought to life in a way that I cannot describe. And your candidates feel it. And they see it. Oh, yeah. And so you're naturally, your, your culture and your value set are starting to do exactly what they're designed to do. Th- th- these are not meant to be posters on a wall or stickers on your notebook. This is really about helping to um, create that boundary of what is sacred to your organization so that you can grow and thrive and produce the very best products in the world, whatever those may be. I, I would say, like, don't be daunted by it. Maybe don't hold off. And really believe in it because, like you said, it, it's a game changer. It, everybody has clarity on where they're being paid, what they're doing. It helps people drive their own development. And if they're driving their development, they're driving their performance. If they're driving their performance and productivity, they're driving your business and everybody succeeds. It does sometimes mean that people get to a level and, and maybe you haven't got that next level role open for them there because you're not quite there but that's okay because you've done your job to get them to that level. And that's when somebody should be moving on. And because you've already then got a really great skills gap analysis of your company, you know where your succession is. You know how your people are continuously progressing into roles and you don't have this, oh, well, only, only they know about that or only they can do that right. because that no longer exists because everybody's wanting to learn and everybody's wanting to drive their own development because that's how they get more pay. And most people are motivated by that. It's not necessarily motivated by you know, getting more money. It's motivated by the reward of it by the recognition of that yeah and and that um that that's like double double whammy for me even like the win-win <laughs> i can't stress enough how much easier it's made all of our lives here yeah i will always champion an open salary model finding those <laughs> win-win-win propositions anywhere we can in life that is it these are the gems it is Gemma, well, before I let you go today, we like to end our show with a series of rapid fire questions that are completely non sequitur and off topic. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm quite nervous now. (laughs) Don't worry. We'll start easy. We'll start easy. Okay, great. Okay. I want you to look around uh, your desk right now or wherever you are, find one thing and tell me why it brings you joy. It's a thank you card from a lever that I had from somebody in my team. They left last year, but I can't take it off of my desk at home. We gave him so much um, exposure and he was able to go on and and actually do a role that he enjoyed that we we weren't able to give him a a bigger role, basically, because we weren't quite there yet. And I love it. When I'm having a bad day, because let's face it, in, in, in this role, you're not always loved. I pick this up and I read it. So I always say like, thanks to Joe for giving me that. It gives me so much joy. <laughs> oh, how, how sweetly appropriate and connected that was. I love that. That's so sweet. <laughs> okay. Next question. I'm going to piggyback on, on the, the idea that, you know, not all days are great days, but how do you recharge after a particularly stressful day? I go walk the dog. 
so cliche, isn't it? But yeah. I never believed in it and until last year. And it was extremely stressful <laughs> the year for us being like locked in the house and stuff. And I, yeah, it just puts everything in perspective for me that I won't be upset about it tomorrow. It's okay. <laughs> All right, Gemma, one last question for you. When was the last time you were deeply proud of something you have accomplished? We are trialing the four day work week. And I was so proud that I was able to get that over the line with leadership. And then today I was just doing the report on the first lot of feedback and the first lot of productivity scores from it. And it's just going so well. So yeah, I would like, hopefully in a few months time, we'll be able to like share blog posts and stuff about it because it'll be something that we permanently go to. Amazing. I'm really proud of that. That, this sounds like a follow-up episode. Uh, just say it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Come back to me. <laughs> well, Gemma, it has been absolutely a pleasure to spend this time with you today. So I will end by saying thank you so very much for doing the work that you do out there in this wild and strange world. So please, please keep leading authentically. Thank you. And thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed this. It's been great. And to our listeners, Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of All Hands, brought to you by Lattice. I'm your host, Caitlin Holloway. Follow All Hands on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a new episode. Learn more about how Lattice can help your business stay people-focused at Lattice.com or find us on Twitter at LatticeHQ. All Hands is produced by Lattice in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Christine Swore, Annette Cardwell, Rachel King, Amy Machado, Danielle Roth, Jessica Pilot, and Carter Wogan. Until next time, keep leading authentically.